This is People Every Day. Coming up... The story is what I call the residue of gun violence. It's Gun Violence Survivors Week, and survivor Crystal Turner shares her heartbreaking loss and mission. Plus, an update on Chrissy Teigen's health, Morgan Wallen's racist comments, and JoJo Siwa's relationship news. It's February 4th. Hey, y'all, this is People Every Day, presented by Macy's, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, here to walk you through the top stories this Thursday, and there's plenty to get into, so much so our morning meeting went a little longer than usual. In recognition of Gun Violence Survivors Week, I sit down with mom, author, and activist, Crystal Turner, who takes me through her family's unthinkable tragedy and how she turned her pain into a fight to help others. But first, to sift through what's going on out there in entertainment, I'm here with my girl, People Senior Editor, who expertly steers our music coverage, Melody Chu. How are you, Mel? Hi, Janine. I'm good. Congrats on your first week. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'd ask how the weather is, but you're in L.A., so there is no weather. (laughs) Uh, Let's jump into what's going on with my BFF in my head, Chrissy Teigen. She took to social media, as she always does, but this was a somber post. This this time, it, it was in relation to the pregnancy loss she and hubby John Legend faced last year. Mel... Walk me through what she shared and and just why this is raw for her. Yeah, it's a very, very tough week for her. This would have been the week she welcomed baby Jack, who, as we know, um, the couple lost late last year um, after they had gotten pregnant naturally. And that was a huge shock to them. And and uh, unfortunately, they did lose the baby. And she shared uh, yesterday that it's just a really heartbreaking time for her. Um, and, and she has to get endometrial surgery this week. Um, she has been open about, obviously, their fertility issues. And now she's getting phantom kicks because of her endo, which I can't even imagine that. Yeah, she posted, I think she posted video of her stomach and it's it's crazy. Like phantom kicks, you you kind of, you know, feel like they're in your mind, but there's really something going on in there. And and, and the sweet thing was, didn't she say she just feels like she tries to think that it was Jack in there just giving her a little hello. Yeah. And, and, you know, when she said that I was uh, reading all the tweet backs to her and a lot of other women who have been through the same thing said, Oh, this is how I try to think of it in my mind too. Like my baby will never leave me. Um, uh, my son is still here and it's just really sad. But again, you know, Christy being so open and seeing these comments back, it's exactly why she's so loved and um, relatable to everyone because she doesn't hide the ugly stuff, the hard stuff. I really commended her talking about um, therapy, seeking that out. And like, just tell me some of her coping mechanisms because she shared that as well. Yeah, so uh, I actually talked to Chrissy and John late last year. Um, It was several months after the uh, loss of their baby, and she was very open and said she's trying all kinds of therapy, actually, not just one. And it's really helped her get through this time. And also, she's finding new perspective herself. Um, People call her the queen of clapbacks, which I actually don't think she likes that. She's just speaking her mind and setting the record straight. Mm -hmm. But she said now she understands, oh, people might be having a tougher day than I I think. And that's why they're being mean to me. So she's trying to keep that in mind too. Well, I love her so much and just wishing them all the best. Um, Next, let's get into country star Morgan Wallen. Okay. So the hit country star uh, known for songs like 
more than my hometown and whiskey glasses is majorly under fire this week, right, Mel? And for good reason. Mm -hmm. After being caught on camera using a racial slur outside his home in Nashville, Mm -hmm. he since apologized. Right. He he swiftly apologized and said he's going to try to do better. But, you know, at some point, that's really just not enough. It's disgusting that this is a word that's even in his ether. Never in a million years would we casually hurl out the N-word. It's it's unacceptable. And you know what? Good for his neighbor for catching it on film. People have to be held accountable. So what what have the ramifications been? Because I was I was pretty surprised how swiftly everyone too. else moved on this. I yeah, absolutely. You know, the country world is conservative. I don't think that's a secret. Um, but I was surprised at how swiftly things moved along. The radios dropped him, uh, his record label suspended him, and he has had the biggest streaming numbers um, for a country artist, I believe, this year. So that's a big, big deal. He makes a lot of money for his record label. He was on SNL, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they welcomed him back. And I still was a little like, oh, should we have, you know, forgiven him that quickly? Um, but this, Oh, yeah, they, because previous to this, like he's been getting in, uh, into it a little bit. Because I guess earlier in the year, he had been spotted out, just mm-hmm. hanging out, big crowd, Partying. kissing women. Like, this yeah, is in the middle yeah. of quarantine. Uh, the thing I, I was really surprised and, you know, excited about the country music community's reaction to this and, and Swift reaction. Um, but I saw today as well that the NAACP is kind of extending an olive branch and saying, like, a lot of people think you can say these things if you're not directing it particularly at someone, which it seems like he wasn't. He He was just using it flippantly. Um, which is not okay, but they want to talk to him now. The NAACP wants to sit down and say, like, yeah. this is why. Like, you can't just, apologies are a one, yeah. one thing, but you need to learn why this is just right. not okay. Right. Uh, lastly, Mel, some some happy news. Jojo Siwa Yay. of Dance Moms fame, mm-hmm. you know, known as the reigning queen of hair bows. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids love her. Um, she's in love. And tell me about why this is just such a big deal. It's amazing. The example and um, that she's setting for other kids that it's okay to be yourself. She, that, as you said, she's a huge, huge star. And her platform has been built on um, Nickelodeon and and just uh, being fun and, and colorful and all of this. And now yesterday, she did come out, um, but then yesterday she revealed she has sort of a secret girlfriend who's, I guess, not so secret anymore. We don't know who the lucky girl actually is. Um, but she said her girlfriend is the one who encouraged her to come out. Um, she said, you know, if I can't be myself, what's the point? I could have all the money in the world, but if I'm not myself, there's just no point in that. Um, and that's not the example she wanted to set for other kids and teens who are struggling with their sexuality. Wow. And, and, and like you said, she's known She's like a pink princess. She's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> she, I think of her as like a living Barbie doll. And again, <laughs> it's, it's you know, like that kid world is a very conservative world. And um, to have her speaking out in the way she has, uh, it, it makes me think of just all of these different corners of the industry, yeah. the entertainment industry that are mm-hmm. expanding and becoming more inclusive, and especially in music. I mean, look yeah. at, T.J. Osborne, that happened this week as well, country star Mm -hmm. who came out. Tell me just a little bit about his revelation. You know, that news came out virtually the same time as the Morgan Wallen news. And 
We were saying it was a nice palette cleanser to see this also incredibly talented country male artist um, come out and be himself. And he said, you know, I have no problem with who I am. What he had to reconcile was knowing he would have to deal with criticism, but knowing in his heart that he's happy being himself and 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 people in his close circle have known in the country music world they've you know kept the secret for him when he wasn't comfortable yet to share and so he has had this great support system and I think now he wants to be that support system for other boys or even girls in his position I love that and then outside of the whole coming out you're you're seeing people being let in and I think that's yeah. really the theme that a lot of these stars are 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 living out right now. Mel, thank you so, so much for your time. I know you're super busy. Everything, the news cycle is insane. So I appreciate <laughs> you stopping in with me. Thank you for having me. Coming up, I sit down with gun violence survivor, Crystal Turner. everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam where Wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Crystal Turner of Columbus, Ohio is a woman who has faced unthinkable tragedy and somehow found the strength to not only push forward, but pushed towards progress and change. In 2015, she lost both of her adult children to gun violence, their lives stolen at the hands of her daughter's estranged husband. Since, she has worked tirelessly to try and prevent that pain from touching other families. She founded the nonprofit Mothers in Healing, which offers support and hope to families suffering from trauma. She's also one of the survivors highlighted through the organization Everytown, which amplifies the voices of survivors like Crystal, while providing financial assistance in their times of need. According to statistics listed by Everytown, 58% of American adults are survivors of gun violence. That number jumps to 68% for Black and Hispanic Americans. An author and a filmmaker, Crystal's won numerous awards for her anti-gun violence activism, and she's here with us now in the midst of National Gun Violence Survivors Week to share her story and her beautiful mission. Thank you for joining us, Crystal. Thank you to me for having me so much. I appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. What does being a survivor mean to you? I know that that term has so many different meanings for different people, but when someone calls you a, a survivor, what does that mean to you? First of all, many of us don't even recognize that that is what we are because I don't really feel like I survived it because it is something that I'm still dealing with on a daily basis. Tell me about your kids. Tell me who they were and, and what they were like. They were two amazing young people. 
I, like so many other parents, we always brag about our children to say that they are super amazing to us. But God really blessed me. Jenea changed my whole family's life. She changed our whole future, becoming a successful daycare owner at the age of 22 after graduating uh, summa cum laude from Ohio State University. For me personally, it was such a great blessing because I went from corporate America to now all of a sudden I was working for my daughter. Pooter was a shy, quiet kid. We were excited about his future. Um, At 23, him and his high school sweetheart um, were still in love, uh, were engaged, were prepared to purchase their first home. They had a son that was 23 months old. Um, My daughter had two children, a five-year-old and a 23-month-old at that time. And just honestly, as a parent, I felt like my kids had given me all of my roses while I was still here on earth. I mean, every survivor's story is different, of course, but what happened to Donnell and Janelle and and how did you initially cope? My daughter had met a young man when she was 19 and they began dating. The relationship for me was a little challenging, not because I disliked the young man, but I understood through my own challenges of relationships that there were going to be some obstacles and hurdles that they would have to really work through because they came from two different types of dysfunctional families. And they weathered those for 10 years, but there came a point in their relationship where who they both needed each other to be, they could no longer be for each other. And my daughter chose to walk away from the marriage. However, he did continue to work with my daughter in the business. Um, He was a part of the day-to-day functions. Um, He still came around our family. We still attended family functions together. To be very honest, the weekend prior to my son and daughter being murdered, her ex-husband threw a birthday party for them. That Monday night, I seen him um, at my daughter's home because my grandkids had taken me to the movies for my birthday. And he was leaving as I was dropping off my grandson and we had a cordial conversation. Things were great. Went in, spoke with my daughter and she said very casually, she said, you know, mom, that dude's going to make me get a restraining order. And I said, well, you know, we've had these conversations. If that's what you feel like you need to do, you know, do it. We got up the next day and we were closed in our office for business because we were actually taking first aid and CPR instructor classes to become certified. And he was supposed to be there. And when I got to the building at 845 that morning, Janae arrived a little later and I said, you know, where's your ex? And she said, "Um, I'm done, mom. He's not coming. I just can't do him anymore. And I said, okay. And I left it at that. And we did our morning session for the class and we got ready to break for lunch at 1130, left the facility to go and check on the staff at the daycare center down the street. And Jenea and Pooter stayed there and, you know, did what they were doing while they waited for us to come back with lunch. 12 noon, Um, We're pulling into the fast food restaurant several blocks from the facility that we were training at and my phone rang and the young lady on the other line greeted me with screams and I could hear her tears 
And she said to me that Mr. Roy just shot and killed Miss J and Mr. D. And and there was some sort of argument you imagine the night before or something that led him to this or this was building up? What I later found out from a letter that he sent me, he said to me that they had had an argument the night before about the kids. He was just simply, I believe, overwhelmed with the fact that my daughter had been everything to him. And I think the reality for him was, is that he was losing all of that. And for some reason, he believed that taking her life was his only way out. And I I struggle with that part because in his letter, he said to me, all I wanted her to do was take me back and love me. Crystal, thank you for... for sharing this with me and, and, and with us and, and, and going back to such a horrific day in your family's history. When you, when you talk about gun violence and you talk about what happened in your family situation, you remove the gun and it's a very, very different story. What would you say the situation with guns in this country played in all of this. Was he supposed to have access? Was it uh, registered? Why was it even available to him? Those were all the questions that I began to ask. It is now why I do the advocacy work and not just sharing my story, but also educating myself more about the current gun laws that are in all of our communities and how do we work towards being more preventative in creating safety measures and ensuring that in situations like this where we sometimes have individuals who, one, maybe have not went through a background check because maybe the gun was obtained illegally. And in this case, from my understanding, it was. So one, we need to make sure that in all of our communities across the United States, that we are putting in place laws that will protect individuals by making sure universal background checks are necessary for all gun purchases. We also need to make sure that people who are having mental challenges, that they're not able to have readily access to a gun. It is in that split second, as my grandson said at five years old, when we had the conversation, he said, why didn't my dad make a different choice? Why didn't he just walk away? We know and the stats are there to indicate that if you put a weapon in front of an individual in any negative situation, that the chances that someone could be wounded, killed, or committing suicide is so much higher. Such important information. How do you get through the bad days and where do you find hope? I know you do so much work giving other families hope, but where does it lie for you? My spiritual relationship. I've had almost six years now to reflect on why did my family become now a part of a growing statistic And God did not stutter with me in his response. He said to me very clearly that my children's deaths were necessary in order for us to bring about change. I encourage all survivors to 
in whatever way they can to amplify your story, to tell your story. The story is what you and I are speaking about now. It is what I call the residue of gun violence. It is the impact that gun violence has on every community every day. When we talk about the permanent changes that gun violence brings to a community, um, we kind of water that conversation down. We say there's an impact, but we don't talk about the impact. I am struggling with the fact that my children gave me two grandsons and I worry about the day when the two of them are old enough to truly understand what has taken place with their parents and hope and pray that the love that we've instilled in them and that God has given them for each other will be enough to sustain them. I stand for simply saying, let's be responsible in how we own a gun because when you injure, take the life, or even you as an individual and you take your own life with a gun, the residue that you leave behind for those of us who are still living is lifelong and it is permanent. That was gun violence survivor Crystal Turner. For more on people's expanded coverage of Gun Violence Survivors Week, head over to people.com. Before you go, a little something to make you smile and swoon. If you haven't heard, Alexa has a hot new look and sound. I was in his hands. I was being changed. In a new ad airing during the Super Bowl, Michael B. Jordan becomes a lifelike vessel for Alexa, which is hilariously problematic for the husband in the commercial. But who wouldn't want people's sexiest man alive at their beck and call? Shameless plug. And with that, see you tomorrow.